Today on Recruiting Hell, one of the most requested topics on this show from our listeners is how does LinkedIn work? LinkedIn is an incredibly powerful tool for your networking and for your job search. And thankfully, doesn't take nearly as much time as some of the other content platforms out there. Today, we're going to dive into basic LinkedIn strategies that anyone can do with only a small amount of time and effort involved. Using these strategies from some of the biggest names in social media, we're going to look at what you can do when you're starting your network from next to zero. Hello and welcome to Recruiting Hell. I'm your host, Rob Conlon. Today's episode is something that has been requested rather frequently over the past month or two, and in the interest of making sure that we always listen to listener feedback, I thought it was appropriate to not only do this episode as quickly as was feasible, but also to sort of pair it with the time of year, as it has a lot in common with what you do on LinkedIn, giving and the holiday season. Now, past episodes have told us about networking for the give, being generous with your time, and helping you realize that value needs to be given to your potential network connections before you actually make any asks of them. The same goes for LinkedIn. And whether you have zero connections, 400 connections, or 4,000 connections, you can use the strategies in this episode to help grow your reach and connect with some pretty amazing new people. The concept ties directly into marketing yourself that is discussed in episodes 12 and 26 of this series. Crafting your LinkedIn brand not only takes time and effort, but you also need to have some direction in where you're headed. So if you need additional ideas on how to market yourself, go listen to those back catalog episodes. Today's format is a slight change from the normal in that we have a guest, but the guest is here as the learner and to drive the conversation. Chelsea Berg is a recent connection of mine that was made through another guest on this show. We were introduced and with her need for a position, it made a lot of sense to connect with her myself and give her some of the resources here at Recruiting Help, including being on the show. Chelsea, welcome to the program. It's great to have you here. Hello, hello. Now, in this episode, we're going to take a slightly different format than normal. As I said, we're going to take a look at how to leverage posting when you're just starting on LinkedIn. And this is something I know that you just began a few days ago. This is one of these kind of easy to execute strategies that both you and other listeners can pretty much do right off the bat when you stop listening to this program today. So before we start that, let's hear a little bit about you, Chelsea, and your professional and personal journey so far. Hello, everyone, and thank you, Rob, for having me on the show. Um, as you said, my name is Chelsea Berg. I recently got married, so sometimes it feels weird to say my full name still. Um, so my husband and I actually just moved back to the Midwest, uh, the Milwaukee area. We spent the last two years traveling and living kind of all over the place. So we spent 14 months abroad traveling and also volunteering around the entire world, very animal conservation base. We did some ocean conservation volunteer. And then we landed after that in San Diego for a mere 11 months, leading right up until when COVID began. So a perfect storm of situations happened to bring us back to the Midwest for my husband's job. And that kind of explains, you know, the fact that I'm in need for a position and also why I spent a good deal of time on LinkedIn looking for work. Got it. Well, it's quite the ride. You shared a lot of really interesting and exhilarating things with your travel. I know you've been all over the place. And that kind of brings me to my first point. You've done a lot of moving in your career, if you will. And you've probably gained a much more worldly view than a lot of people. 
And this is a huge advantage for you because it allows you to connect into some of those communities that you once visited. And you can do that via LinkedIn these days, which is awesome. So you have connections in countries that I don't even have listeners in yet. Now we're, we're in 22 countries, which is awesome. But that gives you something of a handhold in these areas that people like myself or other folks who haven't traveled the world, they might not have that yet. So Chelsea, if I asked you today, if you looked at the LinkedIn connections you have, who are you connected to on LinkedIn? Yeah, so I would say my main LinkedIn connections, you know, they started off with like high school friends or just friends from college and things like that, you know, when everyone first gets their LinkedIn and they just add people they know. And then throughout my travels and everything, all the companies that we volunteered for and even just learned about or made connections with, we, I connected with them on LinkedIn as well. Obviously, I did on Instagram and Facebook and things like that as well. But learning about their company profile and page on LinkedIn was important to me as well. So I would say, you know, you can find a lot of ocean conservation companies, companies that we worked for and volunteered for. And then also companies I've worked for in the past, like I'm connected to, you know, Disney on LinkedIn and things like that. So a broad range of companies and also just people that I know. Gotcha. Okay. So again, that's the kind of the the souvenir, I would think, from those those trips and travels that you kind of put your your feelers out and grabbed that onto those companies and maybe those people too as well. Is that correct? You know, the specific people from those companies? Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, definitely. Good deal. So then my question for you is you mentioned initially that, you know, your the folks you started with on LinkedIn were the, you know, people in high school, you made your, your profile and you kind of added some people and things like that. What were your initial thoughts about the LinkedIn platform? Uh, the other day, you shared a few thoughts with me about how you first kind of started it. And I wanted, wanted to get those out for the rest of the listener base. Yeah, to be totally honest, my first initial thoughts on LinkedIn were just, this is a job posting platform. This is how I find jobs. This is how I scroll for who's hiring. And, you know, I'm a creative at heart. So I always thought Instagram, like these beautiful pictures and stories I could really use my creativity. And then Facebook, you know, there's a way to have more informal connections all over the world. And I never thought of LinkedIn as something that I could have, you know, creative energy with per se. Right. And that's, that's a really big leap for a lot of folks, myself included. I was one of those people too, who was like, this is a job board. This is a method for me to find new employment, not something that I can actually create on. And I think that that, that statement you made that it's doesn't quite feel like Instagram or some of the other platforms. I think that's a real big thing. And I think that listener, if you're, you're following this here, that misconception that LinkedIn is just a job board or something like that is a really big thing. So a lot of things and another misconception that comes along with this is that LinkedIn is a set it and forget it kind of thing that helps you land a job if you're lucky. And of course, as we've been talking about, Chelsea, it's that's a wrong assumption because LinkedIn is a platform that is alive. It lives and it breathes a lot like yeah. the other platforms, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. And speaking of those, uh, listeners follow the show there if you haven't already. But the real magic of LinkedIn is that it's an effort multiplier. And while it takes a while for it to start to charge up and pay dividends, once it does, it can almost start to self-sustain and self-fuel. So Chelsea, in our first call, I gave you a strategy to try with LinkedIn. And it's a, a tidbit that Gary Vaynerchuk dropped on one of his videos probably a couple of years ago now. And I've seen this work for me. I picked this up and I've been teaching it to other folks 
We mentioned it before on the show, and while it's not 100% new to everyone here, this is the first time we've actually put it into application with somebody, and we're going to drill into it a bit further. So Chelsea, would you be able to explain the concept of the 50 cent LinkedIn strategy? Yeah, definitely. So how I understood it best was, like you had mentioned, the set it and forget it. You can't use LinkedIn as that um, if you want to build a personal brand, build a community and things like that. So how I understood the 50 cent strategy is, you know, at first you might make some posts and four people see it, or you might make some, you know, worthwhile comments on brands that you're interested in or companies that you follow. And, you know, over time, the more you do that, you know, on a daily, weekly basis, that's going to build your personal brand. And it's not something that you can just do, you know, once a month or once every couple months, which I was very much guilty of before. <laughs> and that's okay. And I think the understanding of how social media really works is, is something that's not necessarily always made apparent to everybody. Uh, a lot of times the the marketing world kind of keeps that under under wraps so they can use it to make money and things like that. So I, that's a really great way to kind of explain the 50 cent strategy is the it's the commenting or reacting with 25 posts a day, giving your two cents, of course, so 25 times two yeah. is the 50 cent strategy. So going into that a little bit deeper, the reason that we want to interact with the others on the social media platform, which Chelsea, you said is the the crux, the, the pivotal point, though it's the way that social media works. And many of us have probably heard about what's called the algorithm. And whether it comes mm -hmm. from Facebook or YouTube, all of these companies and platforms are notorious for keeping their algorithms kind of foggy or changing the things all the time. So basically, to explain to everybody, the algorithm is a platform set of rules and the formulas that determine what gets shown on a social media platform when and to whom. And if you can consistently tap into or heaven forbid, crack the algorithm, then you're in for some crazy success. So with you, Chelsea, you know, you just started back on this route, this route here of posting. You had a fabulous post just last night that I saw. And I was like, man, does she, is she going to teach them the masterclass here when she comes on the show or is she coming as a learner? Cause it was, it was, tell us a little bit about that post and we can talk a little bit more about like the, the algorithm and the best practices. Go ahead. Yeah, definitely. So as I mentioned with my travels is very focused on animal conservation and ocean conservation. And one thing that really, really impacted me was we did a lot of beach cleanups all over the world and cleaned up tons and tons of trash just on all these beautiful beaches. And so I made a post just in time for, you know, we're a week to Christmas now um, about how the ho holiday season produces so much trash um, among all of us. And we might not realize because the season of giving and it's a very important time of year and I love like Christmas is my absolute favorite time of year um, but I really wanted to dive into and also let people know that there are ways to go about it in a little more earth you know eco-conscious way so I made a post allowing people to click on an article that's you know five ways to be a little bit more earth conscious this Christmas and I even learned myself so uh, and that's and that's a great thing and LinkedIn can be a platform for learning as well as kind of advertising and, and saying, hey, I need a job. So when you posted that, the algorithm of the site took that and said, hey, I should show this to people who Chelsea's connected with. So the algorithm basically is described as the preferred best practices that the company wants you to follow to be the participant in their service. And when you adhere to the rules closely by making a great post like you did that had 
hashtags that had an article and that had a decent amount of content body, they start to reward you with reach and putting that on other people's feeds to get more eyes on your content and post. Now, an algorithm, of course, isn't the only thing that dominates what people see on a platform. No siree. The other aspect for LinkedIn, or at least for making content or posts that is, are innovative and clever and thought-provoking, you have to kind of use that marketing style. And we really saw that in your post, Chelsea. You know, it, was, it grabbed me because I was, A, I was surprised to see it. Like, wow, she really put something out so fast. And B, the, the copy that you put on there, it, it did suck me right in, which was just outstanding. So we have to kind of use those marketing style techniques to engage with people with what we put out. So we talked about that post, Chelsea, do you know how many people that reached by chance? Well, not going to lie. The first time I looked to see who liked it, it was like my mom and my husband, which, you know, typically happens on, you know, you always have to have your number one fans. But then I saw you saw it and then a couple other people as well. So I think it kind of, you know, reached a couple of people who like, it's not like my mom or husband have been following my LinkedIn a lot because I don't post often until I met you and had a nice, wonderful conversation about that. So I would say it still has a lower reach just because I am just getting back into the swing of things. But um, like I said, I did just post it last night. So you never know who could see it. Right. And the other thing too, is it's not just the likes and reactions and things like that, that you're wanting to, to take a look at for your post. On LinkedIn, in the left-hand sidebar, if you take a look at, uh, it's usually under your portrait, you can look lower in that menu and you can find a little stat. It'll say views of your post. For example, okay. for me, I had one yesterday, I believe that is at like 394, which for me is pretty darn good. Usually I run mid, mid hundreds or low, you know, 1200s or things like that, which is great. So I'm happy when anything, you know, gets four or 500 people of reach. So you've had some eyes on your on your post. And I love that you said, you know, it's your mom, it's your dad, it's your husband. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's the guy who's having you on the podcast that's seeing this. There yeah. are a whole lot more people out there who have likely seen, scrolled, and didn't interact with it, which is a great thing. But you still have the impression in their uh, social feed, which is super important. So let's yeah. pretend for a moment you got six interactions or something like that, you know, two comments, four likes and reactions, but you may have had your post delivered to 60, 80, a hundred people. So that's a hundred pairs of eyes in your post. So the question to ask here is how do we get more people to look at what we're saying, what we're doing? And so part of the algorithm that we're looking to tap into with the 50 cent strategy is the interaction with others portion. So think about, you know, right. how that works. Right. So did you actually make any comments uh, back to folks who had, who had maybe said anything or anything like that? So when I originally was um, looking for the article, I had found a couple that were similar, but I wanted to find something that, you know, looked good um, for posting strategies and also just, you know, spoke to spoke to me and things like that. So as I was looking in the, you know, hashtag sustainable holiday, uh, I made a few comments there, but I definitely need to get better at, you know, when I'm not posting, interacting with others and, you know, companies that I'm just, you know, really fond of or have experience with, you know, it doesn't hurt. And everybody loves interaction nowadays too, especially it's like, we don't get to see each other or, you know, have these community events. So, you know, a little comment goes a long way. It does. And that's a great little phrase because even on your own post, a little comment goes a long way. You'll often find that folks like myself will make a post 
And then once we do, we come into the actual comment section with either like a an add-on or something that we didn't actually post in the thing, like the link to the, okay. the article or whatever it might be. That's something that's part of the strategy too, is to get more eyes on that. You can post on yourself occasionally with the 50 cent strategy. Don't let it rely on it, of okay. course. Um, it's usually for others. But one of those, you know, maybe five cents or darn five cents doesn't divide in evenly into two, six cents a day, maybe on your own posts, which is a great thing. So I always wondered why celebrities did that. They would post something and then like make a comment on their own post, right. you know, a funny phrase or something like that. Well, and that's kind of them gaming that, that algorithm, because if you make a comment mm -hmm. on someone with a bit of a followings post, it shows up, it gives them an alert. So when folks make a comment on, on my LinkedIn, on my phone, I get notifications every single time. And the other part is, is if I make a comment on somebody I follow's post, they also send me notifications when other people comment on that post. So it'll say, okay. Rob, you're, you're following John Smith. Other, you know, 48 other people have posted on John Smith's post. So it's a great way to build that interaction. And that's kind of what the 50 cent strategy is all about. It's about getting you in front of more eyes every day on other posts as well as your own. And so by doing this, you're guaranteeing every day you get at least 25 new people to see what you have to say or how you feel about their content. And keep in mind, you may get more mileage out of this for actual comments, of course, than just, you know, thumbs up and things like that. But I yeah. would say for best results, we pair the two, right? Right. <laughs> Good deal. So my next question for you, Chelsea, is dealing with the next part of LinkedIn. We talked about it just a moment ago, marketing yourself a little bit. And I'm curious, right. I don't know much about your marketing background. I know you've done some social media. I know you've done a lot of things like that. To you, what does the phrase write good copy mean? Yeah, so to me, write good copy is like you had mentioned, you saw my post and you know, everything about it. You liked that there was an article attached. You liked that there was hashtags. And I think writing good copy to me means, you know, getting someone's attention with what you have to say. You know, if you're writing something boring or something that's not authentic or just looks like a robot type that people aren't going to be as interested. So write good copy, you know, kind of speaks for itself. And you have to write something good to get people's attention, which will eventually help you with, you know, your connection. Absolutely. And then there's another phrase that I'm curious, and I'm, I'm not sure if you know this one, but this is one of my one of my favorite phrases. It's above the fold. Are you familiar okay. with that phrase? Yeah, I was a journalism major, so I had to learn about that. Good deal. So enlighten us, please. What does above the fold mean? Yeah, so above the fold, especially, you know, in marketing terms nowadays with everybody, you know, being online and everything happening on the internet is it's getting somebody's attention, whether it's to buy something or to read something or to click more or to keep reading the article, you want to get their attention in the first upper half of, you know, the fold per se. So in that first, you know, couple of paragraphs, you want to make sure it's going to allow them to um, know, you know, what your company is or what you have to say or what your mission statement is um, to be able to have them read more, buy more, something like that. Right, exactly. It's that old, old marketing term that basically says if you're sending someone a marketing letter, you need to capture their attention before they reach the first trifold in the actual yeah. letter. Uh, you need yeah. you have like two sentences sometimes because you have, you know, the address, dear sir, dear madam, and then yeah. 
blah, blah, blah. And you have just a handful of sentences, if, if that, maybe even a handful of words to capture attention. So that, that is perfect. I'm really glad that uh, you get a great explanation on that, you know, with, you know, in modern day, I would say maybe above the scroll, if you will, above, yeah, or, above, above the, the flick in that case. So that should be your goal with LinkedIn posts. And I saw that with mm-hmm. what you posted yesterday. I was like, again, kind of blown away going like, oh man, I, she said she's does, she said she needs to learn, but I, I don't know how much she needs to learn, <laughs> but it, it's, and it's great. It's good to see somebody who is brand new to the platform, have a successful post right off the bat. And success is variable on LinkedIn. And the goal of what people post on LinkedIn should be to get people to click that, you know, little read more thing at the side. Yeah. So we, we can together then take a look at kind of makes what makes a successful post. We talked about yours a moment ago. I want to bring in an example about how to leverage this that really got some traction for me. So I'm going to uh, kind of take the reins here a little bit more than I normally would, just because I want to read this out for folks. Yeah, a couple of days ago, sure. I posted the following post on LinkedIn. It went bananas. And so it says so many folks want to know how to leverage LinkedIn. And it's one of the most requested topics for recruiting help. Coincidentally, it's why we're doing this episode of the show. <laughs> Here's what I've done. I'm used to reaching 50 to 100 people a post. And this was six months ago. And six months later, while I'm not solidly in four digits yet, I'm seeing 300 to 1200 views a post. The three things I try to do to make this go further are A, consistency of posting, B, upping my copy skills and finding what resonates with my listeners and audience, C, networking my ass off to find new folks who I can help and who can help me. Now, my question to you is, Chelsea, in listening to that, where did I put the break? Where was my above the fold portion to have people click read more? So where I saw it or what captured me is when you said, here's what I've done and kind of did a dot, 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 where it allows people to want to learn more and want to keep reading. Right. And that's actually precisely where it was. It was that that break there. And there's a, a rule that I follow on this show. I will never withhold any information from somebody's job hunt, but you might have to click a button. That's all <laughs> in yeah. that case. So you were correct. Right after the ellipses, it gives that prompt to people to find out what I actually did as a strategy. And it kind of pokes that little curiosity button in our brains. So the first part about making a LinkedIn post that starts to go somewhere is taking advantage of that curiosity in human beings and the idea that there is value in that read more section, the fear of missing out on that value FOMO. So in that case, there were three tips that can help people who are starting out on LinkedIn, you know, the consistency, the Mm -hmm. copy, and then the networking with other folks. And again, the 50 cent strategy is part of that. So now that we've given a great example of a post that generates interest, these can be pretty much easily done on any topic as you showed with your conservation post. That's something that while I believe in, you know, saving the planet and things like that, it's not as near and dear to my heart as it is to yours, which is excellent. So it's important for somebody who's posting on LinkedIn to find those things that really tap in to what their experience is in the world. For me, it's this job hunt thing. You know, I have, I'm kind of on a bit of a crusade for this because I've seen that people have been really impacted by what the world is like. And for you, that's an environmental issue. And we are all stronger when we, we have our causes together and we, we pursue those cause. So what other kind of posts do you think would resonate with your connections from what you, what you're passionate about, Chelsea? 
the reason I spoke about, you know, the conservation and things like that is with the holidays, you know, like I said, Christmas is a week away. I thought it would really capture people's attention because everybody's buying gifts right now. Everybody's yeah. wrapping presents. So it's also important to do, you know, make posts within the season or within what's going on in the world. I think for me, I mean, something that I've been told by a lot of people, and it's just the type of person I am, is I, I'm a light. They say I'm like the sun. Um, so you're not going to find like negative articles or bad news that's going on. Um, that's just not who I am. That's not authentic to me. So you might find like something good that happened perhaps out of COVID or something, a good news story of people coming together in quarantine and all the good things with people driving less, you know, how it's impacting the earth and things like that. So that's the kind of articles that I'm passionate about and not just articles, but just, you know, posts in general. I recently rescued a puppy named Moose Track. So dog related, anything dog related or maybe something I learned about the pet industry I could share about. Those are the types of things, travel, that I definitely will share. Excellent. And you you have a, a wide variety of things that are very popular with people there. Pets. Right. You know, we, we know that half the internet's devoted to cat photos. We know that. <laughs> the travel, you know, people like to see where other people go. That a lot of these things whether they're in your life or not, are really great topics, you know, things like that. And you have to find, again, what you're passionate about. You've rattled off a number of things that work perfectly for you, Chelsea. And the other part of that is for the other listeners, these might not be things that are, you know, as you're as on fire about as Chelsea is. The thing that you might be on fire about is, uh, I want to give him a shout here because he's just a great, great guy. I know a gentleman named Ted Carew. And Ted is a career on the job safety instructor, director, kind of like not an OSHA inspector, but the guy who like interfaces with the OSHA inspector and make sure people don't get their hands cut off. Ted is wild about safety and watching him post on something that is to most people, maybe a little bit something they don't think about every day is it's really, he is just on fire for this. And so if you're a listener out there saying, ah, my stuff isn't interesting. On LinkedIn, there is an audience for pretty much everything when it comes to professional Mm -hmm. interests and even some of the personal interests, which is great. Good deal. So there's one thought I want to close with on the 50 cent strategy here, Chelsea. And this is partially for you, but this is also for the rest of the listeners. On LinkedIn, remember that people like you for you. And if they're connected to you, they've already kind of indicated that they want to play the LinkedIn game with you. And if you bring good content to them, oh yeah, they're going to, they're going to share it. So we've covered this strategy and we've kind of seen how these small efforts of interacting with just 25 posts a day can start to pay some dividends. And I certainly hope that you're going to keep that consistency up uh, in the coming days here, even over the holidays, uh, to work to give you some ideas for not only your own content, but uh, other folks out there as well who may connect with you. So the next piece of LinkedIn growth is from kind of an interesting perspective. And I'm going to call this LinkedIn growth from zero and that, okay. that part is bringing yourself from zero to somewhere else, you know, some other number that's higher than zero. Another thing is vulnerability. And you and I talked the other day about vulnerability and authenticity and, and give us a bit of an overview about what we kind of spoke about there. Yeah, definitely. So like you had just mentioned you know, me being passionate about the environment and dogs and Christmas and things like that doesn't mean other people have to, 
but I'm not going to post about things just because they're popular if it's not something that I'm really passionate about because people will be able to tell in your posts. And I learned this a lot from other social media platforms like Instagram, like Facebook, where people love hearing about, you know, how you're really feeling and things that you're really passionate about because they can smell it from a mile away. So when I would post about things, you know, that people know, you know, my fans per se, know that I'm passionate about, they interact more and they're more interested in the content that I have. So on LinkedIn, if you're posting something, you know, that someone could tell that is not coming from your true authentic self, they might just keep scrolling. They might not have interest in that. And they'll just be able to tell and really be able to read, you know, that you're being vulnerable and true to yourself. And people love that kind of stuff, especially, you know, now in 2020, a lot of feelings and emotions are happening through, you know, with everybody. So people want to know about that and people want to, you know, learn about that and see that in your content. Right. And I think, Perhaps we're substituting the actual like physical and, you know, interpersonal emotions with these ones that are kind of filtered through a a computer medium, which is interesting. So you, you touched on everything that I I wanted to, to kind of hear about that Chelsea, which is, which is great. And that wasn't, thankfully it was prompting for me. (laughs) And one of the biggest mistakes I think that people make who are new to LinkedIn is that they hold so tightly to that professional feel of the platform. Right. And that doesn't mean we should fill it with, you know, conspiracy theories and, and bad memes with minions and other other garbage like you see on Facebook. That's that's yeah. not what we should do, it, right? Uh, that platform, I, it has just gone just downhill. So not dog memes. Well, there's some there's something to things like that. You can be light in your uh, LinkedIn presence. You can. It's actually something that I advise right. folks when I actually advise them about building brands. Humanizing your brand is posting a meme every once in a while it really is and but yeah. a lot of folks grip onto especially with LinkedIn that it's got to be a professional platform that is so far from true because it walks a very unique line between the professional and the personal and if we let those blend we can really start to see things kind of gel so one of my most popular posts of all time was from a few months ago and it spread further than anything I really could have ever imagined. It was outside of my network. It had, you know, tons of reactions. And I went back the other day and I, when I was writing this episode and I looked at what made that post work, I'm going to read that. And we're going to kind of pick that apart together here real quick. So it said six months ago, I made up my mind. I was going to start something for myself. I knew it wasn't going to be easy. And that because it was my own, it'd be simple to hang it up if it wasn't performing, making money or got too challenging. I made myself a promise. If you're going to do one, you're going to do a hundred. This attitude forced me to look at my new creation as a long-term project. And I'm glad it did because honestly, I don't want to stop what I'm doing. I love being a content creator. Even if there are days that I don't make the best content in the world, it's mine. And it does resonate with people, which makes all the difference in the world. So then Chelsea, what aspects do you sort of see and hear in that post that might make people connect with it? Yeah, I really think, you know, when you made that post or when you were speaking to that time frame, you know, six months ago, we were all kind of in a similar position. So I think it really allows people to connect with that time frame of, oh my gosh, like everything's closing down, you know, people are out of work, you have to get creative and, you know, start, maybe, maybe it's not starting a, you know, podcast like you did, right. but just starting something new or following that like gut feeling or following your heart and 
you know, I really think it's important too. People can connect to that part of time with COVID and everything being shut down where you have to kind of think on your feet and pivot. And like you did, you tried something new, you followed a gut feeling, you followed your heart and did something that, you know, you had thought about before. And I think people can really relate to that in that time frame and how we were all feeling. Definitely. And I think that's probably the biggest, I, w- I want to say heartstring. I do want to say heartstring that that is yeah. pulled, which is great. And the other part of that too was kind of the way this was structured. And obviously you and I aren't looking at this this post together right now, but one of the biggest things was not only the above the fold portion, which was, you know, two little sentences six months ago, I decided to start something for myself, dot, dot, dot. That spacing, again, that prompt for people to say, ooh, what did you start, Rob? Let's hear about it. That was really, really outstanding. But you're absolutely right. The shared experience of COVID, of having more free time in the world than you know what to do with is really a, a driver there. The other thing that I think is really a important aspect that I want to make sure that our listeners get out of this too is the vulnerability. LinkedIn eats up vulnerability like no other. And like you said, people can smell when things aren't right. They can smell it a mile away. Right. You have to be authentically vulnerable and you can't be this drama king or drama queen. Real vulnerability plays exceptionally well with the audience and talking about facing adversity without being a fiend for attention and adoration is a very real strategy that folks should consider. So I talk about this with the show a lot. I talk about this with my business. I talk about things that are important to me, just like you do, Chelsea, the challenges I face, but there's always, as you said, you're a light. There's always a lining of positivity to it, even if it's me talking about failure. So when folks are posting to LinkedIn, you need to consider the to- the, the, Tory, the story that you're telling. Is it one of these following things? Is it a redemption arc? Is it a me versus whatever? Is it a before and after? Is it a lesson you've learned? And all of these things can be used to not only drive my content, your content, but content for anybody out there who's listening to engage with people who have connected with them and who are following them. So I'm going to keep going here for just a second because there is also one other aspect from this post, and that's the inclusion of others. And that post is talking about my content, but it's also humble enough and, and, and maybe aware enough to know that I'm not, I'm not yet a top tier podcaster. I can create all the content in the world, but I can still, you know, have people consume that. And I'm so thankful with, for that. It doesn't matter though, if I am not humble, if I am not including other people in it, I come across as a pompous jerk and the professional atmosphere of LinkedIn knows to celebrate worthy achievements like promotions, new jobs, and things like that. But they also very much dive into the humbleness aspect that a lot of people display, which is just a great angle as well. So for those of you listening, let's make sure that we we're always humble. We're always very real with our LinkedIn. So Chelsea, I'll put it to you. Any questions about vulnerability, authenticity, or anything you'd like to add? I think you nailed it on the head there with, you know, that whole post had everything you know, all encompassing that we discussed. It had an above the fold, you know, wanting people to keep reading. It had vulnerability, it had authenticity. And I guess my question would be like, how do you know when to post? Like when is the right time to post something authentic or vulnerable on top of, you know, an interesting article, or like you said, a funny, you know, dog or cat meme. How many posts are you posting that are more vulnerable than just on a regular basis? 
Good question. To put that in perspective for like what I do, I try to post on LinkedIn daily. So I do one post a day, maybe two. Sometimes I do some that are off the cuff on my phone that aren't scheduled. I use a social media tool for it so I can plan them out in advance because I want to, you know, I can share the show. I can find articles. You know, it, it helps me with the running of this whole endeavor. But that doesn't mean that I'm not actually on my phone a few times a day going through and going, oh, wow, that's really cool. Comment, new post, whatever it might be. The other part of that is you don't always, it's a, it's a bit of an art. It really is. You don't always have to be putting out these, these drama stories, you know, oh, and today I faced this challenge yeah. and things like that. Like people are going to get sick of that real fast, <laughs> if you will. Right. So you need to, to mix it into this strategy that you have. And I usually try to do one post that's reflective a week in that case. Maybe, okay. I'll, maybe I'll creep up to two, but what I try to do, keep the focus on is here's what I'm doing. Here's the successes I'm having. Here's how I can help people. Here's what challenged me this week. And that might be the, that might be the post that is the, the vulnerable one. The one that sa- that says, gosh, you know, I was really having a hard time with this episode and my guest was somebody I had never met before. And I was really nervous about, about talking to them or whatever it might be. And that's not in reference to this episode, I promise you, but it's having that common experience. We as human beings look into that common experience and say, I've felt that way before. And that tends, tends to get people to dig on it, which is just outstanding. So again, authentic vulnerability. You can't just make up crying wolf stories every week. It has to be real. It has to be authentic. Cool. Well, I can relate to that in the sense while we were traveling, you know, I, we were feeling all the emotions. We were far away from home. We were Mm -hmm. living, you know, there was a point where we lived in a village in Kenya for three weeks and, you know, showered out of a bucket. Um, So instead of just posting like, you know, lions and elephants and the stuff that people also like to see, I would post and, you know, we're having a hard time. Like I miss my comfy bed. I miss clean sheets. I miss, you know, coffee shops. Like, so people enjoyed seeing that vulnerability, like you had mentioned, instead of just, you know, pretty pictures of sunsets and lions, tigers, and bears. Right. And, and having, you know, I I looked at your Instagram and things like that. Some of your photography physique is just excellent. It really is. So there's a lot to be, oh yeah, there's a lot to be said about, you know what, there's there's a beautiful Savannah sunset or things like that. But also here's a picture of the bucket that is my cleaning apparatus for today. Like that kind of, that gear shift really works sometimes for creating content on LinkedIn of, Mm -hmm. well, you had a nice warm shower this morning. I had a lukewarm bucket of river water. Yeah. yeah. And people can relate to that more as well. Or, you know, that's at least what I think is you see these beautiful photos and it kind of makes you like, Oh, I wish I was there instead of, you know, seeing something where it's like, Oh, I've felt that way before. Kind of like you mentioned with your LinkedIn post. Right. And the other part of that too, is, you know, Oh, I wish I was there in the beautiful Savannah. And then you see the picture of this, this bucket that is your shower for the day. It's like, do you, do you really, can, can you <laughs> Maybe take not. I don't want to come across as like a princess or anything, but like showering out of a bucket, that's kind of like a, hmm. I don't, I don't know oh. if that's a, if that's an appealing thing for me to, to go on the trip, you know, I, now Chelsea, you mentioned earlier in our conversations before setting up this show, the title of this episode was initially giving on LinkedIn or networking for the give on LinkedIn. And you said, where's the give in all of this? And you're absolutely right. We haven't talked about that yet. 
the gift is in the vulnerability. And oftentimes on platforms like LinkedIn, we sort of hide our imperfections and when others come out with what's theirs are, you know, that again, showering in a bucket thing, it gives us this environment to sort of air some of our own shortcomings as well. And it's a bit therapeutic. Right. Yep. Especially in this environment, like you mentioned, COVID-19 put us in a really weird position worldwide. And I can't tell you how many times I've seen somebody post a failing, a shortfall, a defeat, and people start to come out of the woodwork to not only support them, but they also share the setbacks they're dealing with. And it's a little bit weird, but it's, it's kind of crazy at the same time. It's, it's a strange yeah. phenomenon. Yeah. And I, I don't know if you've, have you seen that by chance? I definitely have seen that just in, like I said, the social media platforms and the articles I read and things like that, where, where it talks about, you know, I felt that way too, or that definitely happened to me too. And for once, you know, in a long time, we're all in the same boat, you know, pre-COVID-19, I feel like people were going about their day, you know, they could relate on some things, of course, but now it's kind of like, you know, me too, <laughs> you know, we all have that same you know, just your USPS package is taking forever and your Christmas gifts probably won't deliver on time. Me too. Like we're all in the same, you know, and obviously you can take that to a business standpoint as well, where people are out of work or if they're out of work, maybe their businesses aren't doing as well, or maybe they're thriving because you're in, you know, the pet industry. And there's always people out there that have that same connection. Definitely. And that's, that connection part is really what gives LinkedIn's kind of its power. And, and that connection also continues with what you do after you post. And we talked about this a little earlier in the episode and we, this best practices I, I want to really share with people because this is not only based on my personal experience and the, and, but it's also the research that I've done that how you look to interact with people on your post should be as heavy as possible for the first hour after it's up. So when people are, are maybe, scrolling LinkedIn at nine in the morning because they're a little bit bored at work, you should be looking to grab, to throw a post out there that maybe catches their eye. But also, like we said, make that first comment. That's called a seed comment in, in my term. And it's a short snippet. You place it in the comment section to stimulate discussion. And it can be simple as something, right? right? <laughs> it can be as simple as the question that I asked recently in the update I made about having a conversation with a recent connection on LinkedIn, which I think was you. I asked, Hey, Connections, who should folks connect with out there that has given you amazing value on LinkedIn this year? And this little seed comment spawned like three or four different comment chains that drove engagement. It not only granted visibility to the people that had been linked, but it also opened them up to my own network. And after a couple exchanges, I actually gained like six or seven new connections from just this one comment. So it's a network for the gift. So I was like putting that out there to people saying, hey, who else is doing well this year? Let's, you know, kind of name, name and not shame, but <laughs> name and, and, and honor in this case. And it turned into something that for me paid off big time with some folks that are in networks that I wasn't, wasn't a part of, which is outstanding. So we see that, you know, interacting with your posts heavily, not only the reactions, but the comments kind of gives back to the networking efforts of others and showing them that you actually hear their words, because you said this earlier, Chelsea, that the engagement on posts is what makes people continue to do so. And it's not just fluff on your, you know, LinkedIn wall, if you were back in the, that's kind of a little throwback to old school Facebook, I think. <laughs> so Chelsea, we have covered a lot of ground today and I've had a couple of pretty big stretches of talking in this show. I don't want to, <laughs> I want to make sure we balance that out a little bit. What are the questions? 
that you think that I didn't ask or explain about this topic? So I would say, you know, from my standpoint, coming from a creative who loves photography and Instagram and Facebook, like we had discussed, and I have a ton of experience there, you know, Instagram stories, and um, I've even built, you know, two business platforms on Instagram. What would you say for someone back into LinkedIn per se, in terms of someone who wants to market themselves or even someone who maybe started a business and wants to make sure they have all social media platforms covered? How would you advise them, you know, to get started on LinkedIn to, you know, start connecting with people and start building that personal brand, like you had mentioned? Sure. And that's a, that's a really great question because I can actually speak to that with the recruiting hell page on LinkedIn. So there's my personal page. There's, you know, Rob Conlon, who is, you know, content creator, things like that. You see my picture, but there's also the actual company page. And that's what I, that's the first thing I'd recommend anybody. If you have a small endeavor, get your company page on LinkedIn locked down. It's not only a matter of grabbing, you know, kind of the, the handle or the name, but also you post to that just in the same way that you post to your personal account um, with my social media tool that I use. And again, it's just for simplicity for me. You don't have to have a social media tool. This is just right. with, with time saver. I'm able to post to my regular profile, my business profile, my other business profile for the actual production company that makes this, this program, as well as my Twitter, my Instagram, all sorts of things with a couple of clicks of a button. But the goal is, is that I have to pr- produce content that is relevant to my audience that follows the actual show page versus maybe what my personal page is or the other social media platforms. So that's number one is to get that page dialed in, get your logo on it, get a background photo, things like that. Uh, fill in the description, you know, the who we are, what we do, get your website linked up on that. That's all pretty much set up and self-explanatory. You can you can do that through the LinkedIn platform. The other part about that though, is that there is the invite button on LinkedIn. And you, you will have some connections. You want to invite them to like and follow your page. And what I did initially was I strung that out over time. So you maybe you have 100 followers on LinkedIn or 100 connections on LinkedIn. You will want to ask them drip by drip, basically, if they want to follow your, your business page in that case, which is going to be a great thing. I would string these out. You get 100 a month for free, if I'm not mistaken. String these out over the course okay. of weeks. I would just do 10 every single week. Invite 10 people you know moderately well or have connected with recently to follow your business, follow your page. And that way you don't just blow it all at once. You don't just have, I have 150 connections and I invited 100 of them today. And as soon as that refilled next month, I invited the next 50. Well, that doesn't help you very much with kind of the the upward growth of your, your platform. So that would be the other thing is to invite people. I try to make sure that they have a minimum amount of familiarity with me. You know, maybe I ran into them at a conference five years ago. They're not going to remember who I am, things like that. I try to go with the people I either know personally, the people I've recently connected with, so I'm fresh in their memory, or the people who uh, have been a part of my network and interacted with me for a long time. Okay. Good deal. Great question. That's actually something that uh, that we didn't cover and I wasn't, I guess, expecting to cover in this episode, but that's a, that's a perfect thing, especially if somebody has a small business or a, uh, an effort or a passion that they have about that. You know, if you started a, like a conservation group of some sort or whatever it might be, right. that's a great strategy for that is to kind of grow that slow, grow it, 
but also make sure that you're posting relevant content mm -hmm. that goes to people who are going to share this thing with other people who might like that content. All right. Good deal. Any Good others? That I, yeah. Yeah. Any others that I missed? I would also be curious, you know, for someone like me who's, you know, looking for a job and is in the market for a job, you know, you mentioned something that I really grasped my attention when we first spoke on the phone where you said, look for people not opportunities. Um, and that's a mistake that I maybe have been making because I'm in this position where I'm like, all right, I'm new. I'm back, you know, in the Midwest, I need to, you know, just apply to jobs and that's the only way to go about it. And now we're in this position where we can't really meet for coffee and we can't, you know, go to networking groups. So we have to, like you said, look for people and uh, really connect with people. How would you advise someone asking for a friend, you know, for someone like me um, who's looking for a job to reach out on LinkedIn or even just connect with, you know, companies I might be interested in or people who I know maybe have, you know, are within their network with companies that I'm passionate about or interested in? Good question. And a lot of this involves kind of being a little bit brave. That's one of the biggest things that I think I can impart to people out there about LinkedIn is sometimes you just kind of have to jump into the conversation and that can be a little right. awkward at first. You're going to eventually kind of learn how to just slide yourself in to the, the conversation. Adding that relevant thought process to conversations about that you know folks are showing like hey i'm hiring for this you know do you know anybody you may you may see something like that. do you know somebody who has xyz computer skills you may you may not it might be you and the biggest trick i guess is to find out how to politely slide onto that post and say hey you know i see that you've got this that you're hiring for this position or that you're talking about this is this something that's a challenge for you? We talked about in one of our interview episodes a couple couple weeks ago, solving a business problem for somebody. That's the big thing. That's what shows them that you're thinking about them. Right. And again, that's a give. So solving a business problem for somebody, let's say they post something like, oh, I'm looking for a great, I'm looking for a piece of software that helps me do X, Y, and Z. And you see this post and you go, I have some experience with evaluating software. Maybe you do. I, I have some of that. I'm looking for a great social media piece of software. And you say, hey, you know, Jim, you know, you and I don't know each other yet. But in the past, when I've had to deal with managing multiple social media accounts, I've used XYZ. It costs this a month. I have no relation to them, but I had a really great time using their platform. It was intuitive and it might be worth you checking out. Right. And again, that's a give. The finding people, you're not necessarily finding a job, you're finding a person who may have a job for you in the future. And right. that's not going to happen right away. I, th that's, I don't want to fool anybody by thinking like, if you do a 50 cent strategy for a week, and if you comment on some people's stuff a few times, people are going to say, oh, we should hire that guy. That's not going to happen. This, yeah. is a, this is a long-term strategy, long game kind of thing, like a diet plan or an exercise plan. You don't generally see results on day one or even maybe day 100. Well, Chelsea, I, I don't think we have any more questions to, to share with folks today. I really want to thank you so much for agreeing to do this. And this was kind of a last minute episode. And it's definitely been a shorter timetable for production than I normally try to give a guest. And I want to thank you for stepping out of your comfort zone and kind of being on your first podcast here. Hope, certainly hope it helps your networking efforts. If people wanted to yeah, find out course. more, yeah, if people wanted to find out more about you, who you are, what you do, how you can add to their networks, 
or their ventures right. or maybe some of the neat stuff you've done in the past, where would they find you out on social media or the internet? Yeah, definitely. So right now my uh, personal account, my personal brand is where I do the most posting. You can learn about my puppy named Moose Tracks um, and just kind of the things I do living back in the beautiful Midwest, um, back in Pewaukee, Wisconsin here. So my Instagram handle is at Chelsea Wandering. And the wandering came from when we were doing all of that travel. Obviously, I'm more a little more put now. And yeah, and then Chelsea Berg on LinkedIn as well. Perfect, perfect. And as somebody who is a native of Heartland, Wisconsin, <laughs> I, just, I feel a little bit of animosity when you mention Pewaukee for some reason. <laughs> oh, no, no. <laughs> neighboring towns, neighboring towns. It's all good. All right. Well, excellent. And again, folks, stop by her Instagram, connect with her on LinkedIn. If there are opportunities that you know of that might fit somebody who has uh, some pretty impressive social media skills and built some brands herself, definitely connect out there and, and network for the give self here come these next few weeks. Well, Chelsea, thanks again for swinging by and uh, for being a part of our show this week. Closing out for us here at Recruiting Health, it is the holidays. And I want to take the time to do two quick things. The first, it is my genuine hope that your holidays are the brightest they can be. And even though this year may be a rather lonelier set of holidays than usual for some folks, if you're in that situation, I invite you to reach out. Check up on your people and make sure people check up on you. It's the most wonderful time of the year. And even though we can't be as close as we want to be this year, remember that there are people in this world who love you. The second is to give you the gift of no promotions at the end of this show. For one episode, I want to put aside the thought of growing the audience or any other aspect of this show and just appreciate what we have right now, because I am truly, truly happy with all of you who are listening to this right at this moment. Thank you to every single one of you, whether it's your first listen today or your 50th because you started listening to things again, for coming to this show week in and week out. It has made my 2020 one of the best years it could possibly be given the circumstances. And knowing that there are people who listened to this show, decided it was worthwhile, who got jobs from it, and can, who continue to generously support this show to this very day, fills me with an incredible amount of joy. Recruiting Hell is a production of Westport Studios and is proudly made in Wisconsin. And finally, as always, a big thank you to Purple Planet Music for our themes and you, the listener, for tuning in. I'm Rob Conlon, and until we meet again, keep moving forward with your self-betterment and your job hunt. It's a marathon, not a sprint. And Recruiting Hell will be here to help you keep pace. Happy holidays from my family to yours.